everybody. Merry Christmas Eve. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, December 24th, 2019. It is Christmas Eve. We are one day before St. Nick drops through the chimney and delivers all the good presents to all the good boys and girls and all the lumps of coal to all the naughty kids out there who just like to bully the little people. And to that I say, meh to you. Welcome back, everybody. I am your host, Danny Webster, Vegas correspondent for NHL.com and site manager for SB Nation's Nights on Ice. And to give you a little bit of a programming update before we get to the whole nitty-gritty here, uh, we're going to do... Obviously, today's episode, we will not be back until Friday for the preview of the Golden Knights and the Anaheim Ducks game. So we will be taking off Wednesday and Thursday, but we will be back on Friday to get you ready for the Golden Knights and the Ducks. Now to the uh, call to action that we need to get out of the way. If this is the first time... You are listening to this podcast, first of all, Merry Christmas Eve, and second of all, welcome. We are a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights here on the Locked On Podcast Network, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, we are more than likely on that forum. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnVGK, you can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21, and if you like sending emails, you can send an email to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com. So there was a game last night. <laughs> um, I tried a little bit to see how it would work in terms of trying to make this Christmassy as much as I could, and I can only come up with one possible solution. Uh, Pierre Edouard Belmar is Scrooge. Mark Andre Fleury might as well be Bob Cratchit before Scrooge had his re- revelation. Because the Colorado Avalanche, for the second time in less than a month, came into T-Mobile Arena and absolutely mopped the floor with the Vegas Golden Knights. A 7-3 victory for the Colorado Avalanche. And it was a star-studded affair highlighted by none other than former Golden Knights center Pierre-Edouard Belmar, who had his very first two-goal game in the NHL. Now, you think about, oh, that's very impressive. Keep in mind, when the Avalanche came to Vegas on Nevada Day, back on October 25th, Belmar had his first three-point game in his NHL career against the Golden Knights. So five points in two games this season for Pierre-Edouard Belmar, who was absolutely spectacular. His line was great. The Golden Knights had it. For a little bit, but every time they made a run and tried to score to cut the cut the score, uh, the Avalanche were right there making plays, and that's really what you can't do. Um, we'll talk about Marc Andre Fleury in a little bit because not his best game. Um, but let's let's uh, call this what this is. This game was about as close to something that was deja vu as one could be. Uh, when the Avalanche came to town on Nevada Day for the Nevada Day matinee, uh, they scored first, actually scored the first two goals of the game. Golden Knights cut into the lead to 2-1 to one before the Avalanche scored to make it 3-1 at the end of the first period. Very much similar situation this time. Colorado got on the board with Belmar's first goal of the game. 
Ryan Reeves scored to tie a 1-1. And then Colorado scored twice in the first period to take a 3-1 lead. Then you get to the second period. Uh, Max Pacioretty scores to make it 3-2. And then just when it looked like the Golden Knights had all the momentum, Gabriel Landeskog scores a goal, and it's 4-2. And then Belmar scores his second of the game. It's 5-2. All of a sudden, momentum gone. Uh, Will Carrier scored in the third period to make it 5-3, and then the Avalanche scored two more times. Every time the Golden Knights had something up their sleeve in order to try and cut into this lead, the Avalanche kept pushing, and they kept pushing, and they kept pushing, until eventually they walked away with the 7-3 victory. Now, I will say this. The Golden Knights did show, in terms of skating ability, a little bit of resiliency, especially in the second period when they showed some fight and they showed some bark. They looked spectacular in terms of trying to get back into the game. But Marc-Andre Fleury did not have his best game on this night. A career-high tying seven goals allowed on 38 shots. Uh, just, you can't give... you. Can, these are goals that you cannot allow. Uh, the first goal... Uh, the Belmar goal, that was just a great move by Belmar. Deeks, Shea Theodore goes to the backhand, beats Flurry. Should he have saved it? Probably, but you're not going to get all of them. So there was that one. The second one was the Matt Nieto shorthanded breakaway goal, which I thought was just an abysmal power play stretch for the Golden Knights. Jonathan Marceau with a horrendous cross-ice turnover, and Nieto gets by, gets behind Marceau, and before you know it, the puck is in the back of the net. It's two to one. All the momentum is gone, especially considering Vegas was on the power play going into that one. And then Nazem Kadri, another situation where Flurry should have saved this one, and I'm gonna chalk this one up uh, to. I want to, I don't want to put it all on flurry on this one, but he goes for the poke check, misses the puck, goes five hole. And it all started with an abysmal Mark stone turnover in the neutral zone that allowed Kadri to walk in on flurry and score. So two goals by flurry necessarily two terrible goals. I should say that he gave up. Then Pacioretty scores, make it 3-2. Landeskog's goal, absolutely Flurry should have saved it. Absolutely should have saved that. That one was probably the backbreaker. Vegas had done everything in its power to get back into that game. Pacioretty scores, and all of a sudden the roof is on fire, the crowd is buzzing, and then you give up a soft goal like that that goes through his pads. Not good. Not good. Uh, Belmar's second goal, I mean... Colorado pressure on and on and on, and eventually roofs it over Flurry. Probably another one he should have made. 5 2, just like that. And by that point, what more can you do? I mean, the last two goals, really nothing there. Rantanen's goal was deflected, I think, off of Nate Schmidt's skate. Nachushkin's goal went off his head and bounced in. So that's four goals necessarily that were Marc Andre Flurry's fault. And you have to deal with that. I mean, the defense was not great. 
the the turnovers, the the dumb plays just did not were, were not good. They were it was in short not a good night for the Golden Knights. No matter how much you want to spin it, Flurry had probably his worst game yet. Um, and the team all around after a very dominant three one victory over San Jose the night before. Maybe you should have gone with Malcolm Subban on the back-to-back, maybe. But, I mean, you got Marc-Andre Fleury now having given up 13 goals in two starts against Colorado this year. I would be very scared if I had to face this team in the playoffs. That's all I'm saying. Uh, There were two important moments in this game, both that I thought swung the momentum I thought in Vegas' favor and then completely turned it away. First one was Max Pacioretty getting hurt. Uh, took a shot from Ian Cole in the first period, left, I believe, at the 12-minute mark in the, in the first period. And it was a tie game at 1-1. Vegas was uh, responding very well after after Reeves scored the goal. And they were pressing, and they were looking very good. And then Pacioretty gets hurt. Um, very scary moment, very slow to get up. Um, looked like he was holding his head initially when he got hit. And uh, the only thing you can hope for is that he didn't sustain anything long-term. Fortunately enough, he comes back. Um, but by the time he left, uh, the wind might've been taken out of the golden Knights' sails because not only did they, did they not call anything on Ian Cole on the hit, they didn't call anything on Ian Cole when he, uh, when he was, when he should have been called for hooking on Shea Theodore just seconds prior. So no penalties called your leading scorer is out in the dressing room, possible upper body injury, whatever you want to call it just all around bad vibes. And then Vegas gives up those two goals and all of a sudden everything just goes downhill from there. The second one was the Derek England fight on with Val Nichushkin, which was a, a dominant ass whooping by uh, Derek England, but also England gets into the fight. They're down three, one, they need a spark. And then Pacioretty returns in the second period, and he scores that goal. It's 3-2. to two. Everything is buzzing well. And then Nate Schmidt gets called for a penalty that leads to the Landeskog goal that Fleury should have stopped. And then all of a sudden, it's 4-2, and everything that Vegas worked for uh, just went away. Um, those were the two most important moments that I thought Vegas showed some fight, showed some resiliency, and I thought at those moments they played extremely well uh, coming back from 3-2 down, even though those two goals that they shouldn't have allowed after Pacioretty went down, um, the fact that they were able to come back when Pacioretty came back and he scored, um, that was just a very good sense of resiliency. Unfortunately, uh, the rough night for Marc-Andre Fleury, um, that, that's just what it turned out to be. It was all based on his performance tonight. And again, uh, very... Very tough stretch right now for Flurry, giving up 12 goals in his last two starts, uh, 15 in his last three. Uh, not good. I, and I don't know if this means that Malcolm Subban is going to get a little bit more run in the coming days. And they do have the back-to-back this weekend with Arizona and Anaheim, but you got to think. Malcolm Subban was riding hot after 37-save performance in San Jose. Short flight home, going against Colorado. Maybe Subban plays a little bit better. Who knows? Um, but right now I think a lot is going on with Marc-Andre Fleury and he might need a little bit more time to kind of sit back and kind of collect himself. You know, he's, he's been through a lot the last month or so. 
And to expect him to really come out and be a world beater, no matter how much rest he got, is kind of unfair to him. But on this night, maybe he shouldn't have played because Colorado has been picking him apart so far through two starts this season. Alas, though, all is not lost. If you're a fan of the Vegas Golden Knights, all is not lost because the Golden Knights will enter the holiday break having played 40 games this season. Their 41st game, the midway mark, will come Friday at the Anaheim Ducks. But the Golden Knights will enter the holiday break at 20, 14, and 6, and they are tied for first place in the Pacific Division. Now, 26 games into this season, that did not even seem plausible. Uh, they were 11-11-4. They were not winning at home. They had blown leads. They were not playing up to their competition. They were letting games get away from them in overtime. They were not earning that extra point. Things were going wrong. They weren't showing adversity. They were getting blown out every night. They were not looking like a Stanley Cup contender. Even I made a comment at one point that said that they looked like an expansion team. They looked like the expansion team that came two years later. And since that 4-2 loss at Dallas before Thanksgiving, the Golden Knights have been on an absolute tear. Now, I will say this. For all the talk that we're getting into about how well the Golden Knights have played, and by all accounts, the Golden Knights have played well. In these last 14 games, they have been everything that any Golden Knights fan could hope for. The schedule, though, has been favorable. I mean, the really the only notable wins on there are home against Arizona, which they ran into a very hot goaltender in Darcy Kemper, and then winning in Dallas in overtime. Those are really the only two notable wins. And I guess you can chalk up the Nashville one where Pacioretty scored the tying goal at the buzzer. That is a notable win, but I mean, the, the Predators are kind of a fringe playoff team right now. You look at the level of competition that Vegas has played, and nothing really stands out. I mean, they got wins against the Rangers, wins against the Devils, wins against the Blackhawks, the Canucks. And the Canucks are, you know, another team that are fighting for a playoff spot. But those aren't wins that jump at you and say, wow, those are impressive. And the Golden Knights, I don't think, have really gotten that season-defining win yet. They had their chances. Uh, St. Louis comes to mind. Uh, this game would have definitely been a season-defining win, knowing how they were going against one of the top lines, best, top, probably the best top line in all of hockey, facing a Hart Trophy candidate and facing a team that is going to be a force when they get into the playoffs. Right now, they're the second-best team in the Central, and they are playing like it. And so far, against the Golden Knights, they have dominated. They have now won four straight against Vegas, dating back to February, and they've outscored them 20-7. to seven. If Vegas and Colorado gets into a playoff series, I fear for Vegas's life. So we really, for as good as Vegas has been, they, there has not been that one signature win yet. And in the back of my mind, I have to think that's a little concerning. Especially when you look at the fact that when they return from this holiday break, they're going to be at Anaheim on Friday... And then that will start a stretch of seven straight at home, which includes Saturday against the Coyotes, likely with sole possession of first place on the line. Now, Vegas will, if Vegas beats Anaheim on Friday, 
they will take sole possession of first place, but they will have two games in hand, I believe, on Arizona until they face each other on Saturday. So seven straight at home, four of those teams that they will face at home are playoff teams. So, and you have another team in there in Columbus who is red hot, having won five in a row. Four of those games will be against playoff teams. It's a stretch they will need because after that stretch of seven straight at home, they will go nine of their next 10 on the road. Not only that, there is also, there is a stretch of, I think, three games following the Columbus game, which is the final game of that homestand. And then you have a few games there. You have the all-star week. You have the bye week. You have all-star weekend. You have the bye week. And then you come back and you play a few more games on the road. Vegas will not be at home until after the Super Bowl, I believe. So that is going to be very telling of this team. For as good as they've been, and they have been very good, we're still not at the point where they've got that signature victory. And there's going to have to come a point within these next, what, 17, 18 games where they're going to, when they hit the, the two-thirds mark of the season, they're going to need to find one or two of those victories. They're going to need to get one of those victories. I'm just going to read off the schedule for the next, next month or so, next two months, because it is going to be very, very daunting for Vegas. Here, here's what they're looking like. So they have at Anaheim on Friday. They have Arizona on Saturday. Then they get Anaheim again on New Year's. So possibly two winnable games. Maybe you get a point against Arizona. Then you're good. Then they come back the day after New Year's against a really good Philadelphia team that blitzed them in Philadelphia early in the year. Then you got the Champs, the Blues, and then Pittsburgh, L.A., Columbus. Now, L.A., I don't think you need to be worried about. Columbus, if they keep this up, maybe. Pittsburgh, even though they're down to their JV squad, they're still winning. They're going to be a tough team. And especially with Flurry, you'd have to think that he'd be up to that game. So no back-to-backs in that stretch except for the Anaheim-Arizona one. Then we go into this weird, what, eight-game road trip that is broken up with the bye week. At Buffalo, which is fighting for a playoff spot. At Ottawa, who played Vegas very well when they came to Vegas uh, earlier this year. At Montreal. Montreal has been kicking Vegas's ass in the number of games they played since Max Pacioretty was traded there. At Boston. Enough said there. They go through the bye week and come back at Carolina, at Nashville, at Tampa, at Florida. And then they're at home against Carolina, and then they go at Minnesota. That is not an easy stretch. And if we're talking about Vegas not having a season-defining win, they've got to find at least two or three in this stretch. Again, for as good as they've been, and they've been very good. What's one game that you can look at to this point and say that is the win that I, if we look back on this is going to define this season? Again, the Nashville win was spectacular, I don't think it was good enough to say there, there is your season-defining victory. Just because of the moment, I don't think it is. I mean, you, you look at this. I mean, Toronto could have been it. Um, Winnipeg could have been it, maybe. 
Philadelphia, maybe. I, I mean, there's not Boston could have been, but there, there's no, there's no good wins here. There's no good wins here. And I think if you're Vegas, that's the one thing you need to talk about when you get back from this break. Because if they go into this stretch of the next 18 games and they don't beat the teams that are right now considered better than them, because I, I can look at this list, I would say Arizona's even with them. I would say Philadelphia's better than them. I would say St. Louis is better than them. Pittsburgh, I think, given the injuries, I think Pittsburgh might be a little bit worse than Vegas. I would say right now, until further notice, Montreal is better than them. I would say Boston is better than them. I would say Carolina is better than Vegas. And that you can't deny the talent of Tampa Bay. And at Minnesota is going to be a tough game just because Minnesota should be playing well in that stretch. So I, I'm looking at this, and those are teams that you've got to beat. And if Vegas doesn't beat them, then they're going to be back to square one before they hit the deadline, which is February 24th. And then before the deadline, you have one, two, three, four, five at home, and it's another game against the Blues. You got the Islanders coming to town. You got the Capitals coming to town, Tampa Bay and Florida. And then you're at Anaheim the next night. Very daunting stretch coming up for the Golden Knights and you know, being in first place in the Pacific Division after, you know, a month and a half ago, we were calling for everybody's heads, it seemed like. They've done well. But now comes the nitty-gritty. They've got to beat these top teams. And the game against Colorado last night was not a good indication of where they are against superstars. They still they struggled mightily on the defensive end. They could not break out of their own zone in the second and third period. They just did not look very good. And you got to be concerned about going against these top teams going forward. But we'll find out when we come back from the holiday break because it's going to start a stretch of games that we're going to be looking at very closely. And it's going to, I think it's going to really define this season for the Golden Knights, depending on how they do in these, what, next 17, 18 games, whatever it is. So big picture, uh, very important month and a half coming up for Vegas. Very important month and a half. All right, let's uh, let's take one look around the league before we head off to uh, Dreamland and get ready for the cookies and milk to be given to Santa. Uh, the Coyotes did help Vegas a little bit last night uh, with losing three to two to the aforementioned Predators. Uh, Nashville heads into the break with a five-game point streak. The Coyotes are two and two since trading for Taylor Hall, who was a minus two in this game. And again, Coyotes at Golden Knights Saturday night with really first place in a very big four-point game in the Pacific Division. Uh, the Bruins are finally winning again, a 7-3 win against the Capitals. The only the se- this, this blew my mind. This is only the second win against Washington in their past 18 games. What? That is absurd. Pasta, Marchand, and Krejci all with three points. Braden Holtby allowed four goals on 11 shots. Uh, the Bruins are also on a five-game point streak heading into the break, but it's a 2-0-3 oh, stretch. Uh, but it's a break that is a team that needs it very much because the Bruins are still one of the top teams in the East. Um, I think, that obviously, they lead, they lead their division. But the way that they've kind of stumbled into this break, they needed that victory, and they're going to need that break more than I think a lot of people would want. Uh, the Minnesota Wild 
with a 3-0 shutout over the Calgary Flames. Devin Dubnik in his first home start since returning to the lineup. 22 saves. Absolutely phenomenal stuff from him. And the Wild, I keep telling you guys, they're right there. Here come the Wild. Two points back of the second wild card behind Calgary. The Minnesota resurgence is real. They are playing well, and they are doing it all without a lot of key contributors, including Miko Koivu and Jason Zucker. It, those guys are out, and the team is playing well uh, in front of them. And now that they got their number one goalie back, things are looking very good for Minnesota. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning got back to who they were, um, a 6-1 to one destruction against the Florida Panthers. Braden Point with four points. Nikita Kucherov with three points, including his 500th in the NHL. Victor Hedman with two goals. Uh, this is the Tampa team we're used to, um, but the Tampa team that we're seeing right now is still in the middle of the pack fighting for a wild card spot. There's still a long way to go for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, speaking of red hot, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets all of a sudden have won five in a row. They are on an eight-game point streak. They go in to, uh, I guess you can say, Long Island. They go into Long Island, beat the Islanders 3-2 to two with a game-winning goal of less than 330 to go. Uh, Jonas Corpusala with 35 saves. The Jackets have won five in a row since John Tortorella lost his mind, um, and they're only six points back at the second wild card. So all of a sudden, the Columbus Blue Jackets, who had lost their franchise goaltender and their franchise forward, are only six points back at the second wild card heading into the Christmas break. That is a remarkable coaching job by John Tortorella. Uh, the Flyers keep on winning as well. Uh, five to one. Kevin Hayes with two goals against his former team. The Flyers are now third in the Metro. With all the stuff that's been going on with Philadelphia in terms of uh, injuries and cancer scares and whatnot, the Flyers are now third in the Metro, two points behind the Islanders for second place. The Flyers are a team that no one is talking about, and we need to start doing that because if that goaltending can stay strong with Carter Hart, they're going to look really, really dangerous come March and April. The Flyers are a team that we need to start talking about more. Uh, other scores, uh, the Senators beat the Sabres 3-1, to Montreal 6-2 victory at Winnipeg. Uh, the New Jersey Devils, for some ungodly reason, defeated the Chicago Blackhawks 7-1. to I don't know if that's more of an impressive performance on the Devils or more of an embarrassing performance on the hands of the Blackhawks. But the Devils, for some odd reason, have as many wins as the Coyotes do since they made the trade. I don't get it. Uh, the Canucks beat the Oilers 4-2 in a big divisional victory for the young Vancouver squad. Uh, the Blues beat the Kings 4-1. And some, some uh, wackadoo game happened in Toronto today. Yeah, you didn't think we were going to make it through this whole thing without talking about this one, did you? <laughs> um, holy hell. Uh, let's count through this together, shall we? Because this was probably the most absurd thing I've ever seen. Uh, Toronto scores three times in the first 5-10 of the game. Up 3-0. They're running away with it. Carolina scores, goes on to score five straight, twice to end the first period, and then three times in the second period within a span of 64 seconds, to take a 5-3 lead into, this, into the third period. Okay, just when you thought it couldn't get any crazier, Austin Matthews makes it 5-4. Eric Halla then scores his second of the game to make it 6-4. And then, just when you thought everything was crazy, or everything was done being crazy, 
The Maple Leafs scored three times in 59 seconds. Ty Berry and Mitch Marner scored twice within six seconds to give Toronto a 7-6 lead and eventually, uh, you know, Pierre Engvall with an empty netter. Merry Christmas, Toronto. Holy hell, what a dumbass game. That was so stupidly awesome. But you know what? Uh, I love the Hurricanes. They're such a good team. And then I remember I tweeted, it's like, oh, they scored the third goal and they were in a 5-3. I'm like, oh, my God, this team is so good. They battled back from 3 nothing uh, to take a 5-3 lead. And then Toronto said, hold my beer, please, and went on to do that. Um, Toronto was hanging around. I mean, they, they I thought they were going to be uh, down the down the rabbit hole with Sheldon Keefe, a coach, but they're hanging around. They're st- what? They're second in the division. They look good. Um, I know Toronto Twitter is ablaze right now because there are a lot of people saying, "Oh, this is not a playoff team. Oh, this team is hot garbage." I mean, if you're Toronto, I think you take the wins any way you can get them because this season was such a cluster uh, for the better part of fifteen to twenty games. You take a win any way you can get it if you're Toronto and figure out the kinks later. Um, so big win for Toronto against a very good Carolina team. I have no idea what the hell happened to James Reimer in that game, but um, yeah, that, that game was something. That game was something. All right, folks. Well, that is going to do it. Uh, we're closing in on more than a half an hour. Uh, so this is going to be our last episode until... Uh, Friday. We'll be back Friday. Um, we're going to be off Christmas. We're going to be off the day after Christmas. And then we'll get you ready on Friday when the Golden Knights get back to take on the Anaheim Ducks. And then we will be break. And then I think for a special weekend edition of that game, I think we will uh, do a run through of Golden Knights, Coyotes to get you ready for that game. And depending on how that game goes, we'll probably be back on Sunday as well to talk about that game before we get back to uh, Monday before the New Year's Eve game against Anaheim. So big weekend coming up, but we will be taking a pretty decent break heading into Christmas. So have a, uh, have a great holiday. Have a great break. Uh, please spend as much time with the ones you love and your family and your friends. Um, have yourself a great Christmas, if you celebrate that, again, happy Hanukkah to all those who are celebrating Hanukkah right now. And to those of you who celebrate Christmas, have a Merry Christmas, and we will be back on Friday. So thank you guys for listening to Locked on Golden Nights. I am Danny Webster, and we'll see you later this week. Have a good one.